Well, hello and welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give you the inside scoop on life in and around our church. Here is our family life pastor and host for today's podcast, Carrie Jones. Welcome to another edition of Finding Our Way. It's a Southridge member podcast. My name is Carrie Jones, and today I have Jeff Lockyer, our lead pastor, with me today, and we're going to be talking about life in lockdown. So welcome back, Jeff. Thanks, Carrie. Happy uh, delayed spring break. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, before we dive in, how how are things going in your life? What's, what's happening in your worlds at home, at work? Give us all the scoops. I mean, I'd say fine. Obviously, we're here to talk about how grueling the pandemic is, and especially the lockdown that we're finding ourselves in again. So, you know, I don't want to pretend it's ideal. I would say the same thing as this entire year in the appreciation of the the upside of simplicity, for sure. Not Mm -hmm. running around and taxing around kids like a a maniac. But... uh, Definitely, definitely feeling like so many of us that we're, we're done with this sense of <laughs> pandemic. I actually, it was, it was family day Monday. So what was that? The 15th or whatever of February. Mm-hmm. I was, I was just feeling so done with it. And, and so, uh, you know, so kind of, so wildernessy to use Exodus language that yeah. I pulled up Jeff Mannion's old summit talk, the land between just to hear what God might want to say to me in this, in this uh, kind of wilderness abyss season. So I'm, Mm. I'm grasping at straws at this point, but uh, (laughs) hanging in there for sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, church wise, that's going to be the whole conversation today. Um, Certainly I think we're, we're, we're struggling along like everybody else, just just trying to make a go of it, you know, waiting, hoping for this to end. Totally. Yeah, hard to believe, but we're in our third lockdown. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? What What are you sensing that our people here at Southridge are feeling these days in this third lockdown? Probably tired is, is the, the easiest answer. I mean, it could be exhausted it could be burnt out um you know another phrase i'd probably use to describe all of us is we're probably not at our best right now um and so i say that just to just to maybe allow us to extend each other and even ourselves uh maybe a little extra grace Mm -hmm. uh i've heard pastors a pastor once mentored uh, a group of us into you know, people in situations where it's uh, EGR, they called it extra grace required. And uh, this is probably one of those spaces where it's just an extra grace required uh, zone for all of us, I would say. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I want to ask you how people here at Southridge are feeling um, about Southridge in the, in the midst of another lockdown. And I guess the question that would go along with that is, you know, what are the biggest struggle that you sense people are facing these days um, along with being tired and, and how that plays into faith and Southridge? Talk about that. Yeah, I would probably break up our 
or my vibe of where we're at um, into a, a quantitative side and then a qualitative side, right? Quantitatively, we did a survey back later in the summer about navigating for the fall. And the survey broke down about 80-20 as far as how people uh, would have wanted us to navigate the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then certainly in the fall, as the, the pandemic extended and the, the other values, the competing values, you know, intensified and, and uh, you know, kind of continued more, more chronically over time, you know, things normalized a little bit more, but still we were then at about a 70-30 by December. We were at about a 70-30 split sure. on on how to navigate the pandemic. And so I I think that there, there still is a, a majority of people are 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 tracking with how we're navigating the pandemic, are trying to make a go of it and, and track with the offerings of our church and, and specifically or particularly the online services on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that percentage has for sure been slowly changing over time, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if we did a, a survey today uh, if it was continuing to grow closer to that to mm-hmm. that fifty uh, fifty mark or maybe sixty forty or whatever. Just because the 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 struggles associated with taking the tack that we've chosen to take, uh, they get harder and harder over time. Um, yeah. I would say that the the biggest struggle that that people are facing, uh, I, I don't want to say who to blame, um, but uh, I guess I would say it this way: that the pandemic, let alone how to navigate the pandemic, is is nobody's preference, mm-hmm. right? No, nobody nobody chose a pandemic. Nobody chose to see uh, our society in such a challenging place. And, and, and I think sometimes, regardless of which, I'll call it side, which perspective on the pandemic or on how, how to navigate the pandemic we land, mm-hmm. there is a bit of an instinct to, to blame or right. to, to assign blame. There's a, uh, one of my favorite movies, A Few Good Men, the Tom Cruise character was a lawyer and his father was a lawyer. And he said, my, my father, the lawyer told me that a, a trial is never about right and wrong. It's about assigning blame. People want to know whose fault this is. Sure. And I, I think intuitively, emotionally, that's what people are feeling. We're suffering. We're struggling. Whose fault is it? Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's nobody's fault. It's a, it's a, it's a global pandemic. And you know, no one's kind of getting their way right now, even though some people, governments or church or whatever, have to have to make decisions on how to navigate things. But I, I don't think it's anybody's preference and no one's really getting their way. And it's just that I, I, I think a, a little bit of a loss of that perspective sometimes that uh, that can make things hard for us or maybe even harder than it already is to, to navigate things. Yeah, that makes sense. I like how you said that. You know, you mentioned our our town hall, uh, our town hall tour, really that we did la- last uh, November December, and during that time, we talked about we discussed our church's values in navigating the pandemic. Can you remind us of the values we talked about that are guiding us in this pandemic? Yeah, it's 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 quite amazing to me. Uh, I mean, from the very beginning, 
I, I feel like we've defaulted on some very simple ideas, but uh, as it's been said, vision leaks. Mm-hmm. And there, there almost isn't a conversation that I get into where people don't need to be reminded of why it is we've taken the approach that we take it. So and I'll do this again. It's a little bit pulling the string on my back these days, especially in the lockdown. <laughs> but but I, I would say three things, Carrie. Number one, uh, we believe COVID's real. We don't believe this is made up. We don't mm-hmm. believe this is a conspiracy. We don't believe this is just the flu. Although for some people, the effects or the symptoms are very similar to just any old flu. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we, we do believe this is a global pandemic. And even now, having come out of a second wave and a, a second round of lockdown into this new reality with, they call, they call it variants of concern, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago that the Vancouver Canucks hockey team in the NHL were completely wiped out, a majority of players and some coaches and staff. And, and I feel like no one's faking that. These are healthy, fit, professional athlete level young men, and they're wiped out by this. So COVID is real. COVID is serious. And we recognize that. So that's probably point one. The -hmm. pandemic is real. The virus is real. It has significant effects. Point two, then, I think flows out of that. And and that says, because we believe COVID is real, as a community, or at least as a leadership, we're going to encourage people to do our very best to contribute to our surrounding society and navigating it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our best to contribute to our surrounding society, which really means two things. A, it means doing as little as we possibly can in order to prevent spread and protect the most vulnerable. And at the same time, that doing as little as we can to prevent and protect is also, I would say, to promote. And I I say that now that we're in this third lockdown and third wave, because the whole time, especially in our large group in-person gatherings, uh, we've remained online only, not just as a preventative protection measure, but also to promote our society getting through this and getting out of this as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, you look at some other places in the world, I, I know people have been citing a place like Australia, and for sure it's an island and can mm. uh, secure itself a little a little easier than, than Canada can. But, you know, they, they took a much more drastic approach mm-hmm. than we have in Canada and certainly people have in the U.S. And, I mean, they've got full stadiums these days. And yeah. when a case comes yeah. up, they take a, 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 another round of extremely drastic approach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people haven't necessarily been uh, you know, understanding or, or, or supportive of what in churches across Niagara seems to be a more drastic approach, but I'd at least want people to understand where we're coming from because it's not just to spoil everyone's good time. It's actually both protective and promotive to what we believe will get us out of this uh, as safely and as and as quickly as possible. And so then that leads us into the third, I would say the third value, value number one being, we believe the pandemic's real and it's serious. Value number two being, because of that, we want to do everything we can for our community, both to protect and to promote getting out of this uh, as quickly and safely as possible. 
the reason we do all of that or the reason we take that approach is, is actually because that is fundamental to how we understand the way of Jesus. Meaning, rather than doing what we would prefer to do, we're going to make a sacrifice and lay our preferences and privileges down for the sake of others. And that's an important value because I think some people in the the diversity of perspectives and the the polarization really that the, the pandemic has caused among people, I think some people are assuming that the tact that we're choosing as a leadership is a preferred choice. Hmm. This is not a preferred choice. To be abundantly clear, and I, I've been saying this more and more, like I don't like playing the role of televangelist. I don't like talking into a camera in my basement. I don't like not being able to engage in all of the functions of gathering and all of the reasons why we would otherwise gather, but instead, you know, doing what we said from the beginning, from our perspective as an option B in our online services. I don't like not seeing everybody. I don't like missing out on the power of community. Never mind the power of convening as a, as a large group. Like, I, I could personally, I could get pretty ornery about this. And I'm sure at times in the private rooms that we found ourselves as a team, you've seen me in those moves, moods. Uh, my wife certainly has at home. Um, but but this, this isn't our preference. Totally. What it is, is a conscious choice to embrace the values of the way of Jesus we understand we're invited into. And that is not our way. And... Not about us, but about a greater good, about a love for neighbor that when we believe that COVID is real and it's serious, and we understand that the best thing that we can do as we're being advised by health and government officials to do as little as possible in order to prevent spread, protect the vulnerable, and promote getting out of this as quickly as possible, we want to take that tack not because it's our preferred tack, but because we understand that that's the cost God is inviting us to bear as we embrace more of the way of Jesus. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I think for all of us, we, we, we need to hear that again and again and again. Um, and like you said, vision, vision leaks. And, you know, in the third lockdown, we, we need that reminder. So, so thank you. I mean, you talk about um, protecting the most vulnerable and, why is that such a high value for our church and our leadership? Talk with us about that. Probably because while God loves all of us equally mm. and we're all equally loved and broken under God, he sent Jesus because, you know, John three sixteen, God loved the whole world mm -hmm. because we all have equal access to the saving work of Christ. We all have access to the implications of his death and resurrection that we celebrated a couple of weeks ago at Easter you know, we all have access to his Holy Spirit. We all like it's 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 equal across the board. Mm -hmm. Things like this don't actually affect all of us equally. We're not affected by this equally. And that's where we have to appreciate the value of privilege. Mm -hmm. I, I was watching, I don't know, Carrie, if you watch the the show Superstore. It's uh, it's been on Netflix lately. It's a sitcom yeah, about. I don't. Steve is deep into that show. So uh, uh, for for viewers or for for listeners, it's a it's a it's on Netflix. The final season actually is is on TV right now. And just 
ended about a month ago for good. The the sixth season, which you can't get on Netflix, is uh, is 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 on TV, and the series ended uh, for good. And and there's this scene on the very last episode, and without providing too many spoilers, the the, the way that the series ends is the this this superstore, this like Walmart or whatever grocery store, it mm-hmm. it it closes for good. And one of the managers, 60-year-old white guy named Glenn, real, real kind, gentle lamb, faith-based kind of a guy. Um, and uh, a younger floor staff uh, named Mateo, he's a Filipino background, uh, and, and struggles with being undocumented uh, on, the, on the show. The two of them are having this, this conversation, and, and Glenn, the manager, says to him, you know, Mateo you're undocumented and I'm over 60 and it doesn't seem like our world wants either of us to work these days. Implying like Mm. we're about to both be out of a job and you know, it's a real struggle for both of us, isn't it? Mm. And Mateo looks at him and he says, yeah, except I live under constant fear of deportation and you get discounts at movie theaters. (laughs) Wow. And then Glenn says, yeah, but not the new releases. (laughs) And then Mateo says, yeah, it must be hard to live under constant fear of spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it's a really funny moment in the show because it's, it's a comedy. It's, it's, so I, I was laughing the first time I saw it. But I watched it again and thought that is so haunting mm. in its commentary on privilege because this Glenn character mm-hmm. actually feels like because he struggles – and because those struggles are real for him, and because Mateo struggles and those struggles are real for him, that those are equal, that they're equal. Yeah. And for sure they're equal under God as people and as loved by God and you know, as as image bearers of God, but their struggles aren't equal. And mm-hmm. that's Mateo's point to him that tragically in the in the little moment in the episode, Glenn never clues into. And that's actually the other kind of tragedy of of privilege is that in your privilege, you can afford to not ever have to clue into your privilege. Yeah, You can just be fixated on your struggles, which are real for you. Mm-hmm. And so this is really, I think, Carrie, the nuance and the subtlety of what Jesus is inviting us into. When we say protect the most vulnerable, protect the most vulnerable, protect the most vulnerable, we're actually trying in responding to the invitation of Jesus and pursuing the Jesus way, we're trying to get us, even when we don't realize that we're, do, we're, we're, that we're not doing it, we're trying to get us to look beyond ourselves yeah. and to look beyond what is inevitably a difficult time and a stressful time and a, and a struggle for many of us. But for the most vulnerable, this is an exponentially more intense struggle than it is for many of us even though our struggles are real. Our struggles are real. They're equal across the board, you know, but, but the intensity of those struggles based on our privilege are not equal. We're, 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 we're struggling similarly, but we're not struggling equally, I guess is the way that I would say it. Oh, that's good. Okay. There's lots I'm dying to ask you around that topic of, of privilege, but um, just one more question as we, you know, review the the values that we've held as a church regarding COVID. Um, you know, sometimes we get asked, why haven't we advocated for more opportunity during this pandemic? And is there anything else? I mean, you've touched on it that you'd want to say about that. Only 
from our perspective, again, that our our rights aren't what matters here. Hmm. Our rights aren't what matters here, especially as a more privileged people. We believe that COVID's real, so we want to make the greatest contribution to our community that we can, preventative and promotive, mm-hmm. by laying down our rights and privilege and orienting ourselves to the other. So to fight and advocate for more of our rights, for to to you know to gather, let alone to to gather to a greater degree than the government's even allowed under the restrictions. I mean that that hasn't been on our radar at all because it it flows so contrary to the current and the wave in which we see the the character and the and the invitation of Jesus. Let alone, I mean, I haven't said this before, but there are some practicalities to all of this. I mean, we mm. do run a 24-7 homeless shelter out of our largest building. And so far during COVID, it's found itself in outbreak twice. So, I mean, there's even practicalities that we have to consider if if we couldn't imagine or didn't 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 want to view you know, more marginalized or more vulnerable people than ourselves, um, we actually, as as a church, have to because of the commitments that we've made in things like the shelter and our St. Catherine's location. So we're we're not about to start advocating for more rights and privileges for ourselves. We're increasingly challenging one another to lay them down more and more in the way of Jesus. Mm, Oh, that's so good. Well, I want to I want to talk more about this theme of privilege, and I mean, I know you've mentioned that across our community, um, all all of us have struggled in some way or another. And if we haven't struggled, then we sure know somebody that struggled, somebody close to us, someone in our family. Um, we've all been impacted by this pandemic for sure. Um, and why does the awareness of our privilege matter so so much in these days? Because all of us are losing. Hmm. Because all of us are losing. I think when we use the word privilege, at least in my conversations with people, there's kind of this connotation of, for lack of a better term, winners and losers in life. Yeah. You know, people who get dealt a good hand and people who get dealt a lousy hand. And I feel like most of us, especially in relation to our pre or our beyond pandemic lives feel like the pandemic itself has dealt us a lousy hand. Hmm. So everybody's feeling like we're dealt a lousy hand. Everyone's feeling like we're losing out because we are. Mm -hmm. The point is in relation to others, so many of us aren't losing or suffering or struggling nearly as much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about in in my own family, I've shared this with, with friends and, and people that I've met with recently, like in the first year of the pandemic, I would say even among our kids, like Becky and I would have navigated like multiple meltdowns throughout the course of the last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it was our kids or as a family together or whatever, like we struggled at times during this, we struggled in stresses and transitions and anxieties and grief. And we felt, I mean, we're not robots. We felt many of the things that everyone else would testify 
to feeling. Mm-hmm. And yet, and so because of that, we can assume, man, we're really suffering because we are suffering at some level, yeah. but not nearly to the comparison of people who have lost jobs and don't know how they're going to make ends meet and have struggled for months, if not now over a year to that degree, or people who have had COVID or people who have lost loved ones or who have people for people who have had to endure a, a really serious bout of COVID or are dealing with lasting, you know, residual symptoms or, you know, again and again and again uh, are isolated, living alone, you know, things like that. It's, it's just, just because you're suffering during COVID doesn't mean you're not privileged. And I think that's what's making it hard for us to appreciate that and why we keep emphasizing that for people. Yeah, that's good. Well, maybe could you talk about what Southridge as a church is doing to support and to serve, you know, our community in some of those everyday struggles? Yeah, I think that's an important question because all of this emphasis on laying down our privilege and orienting ourselves to the other, to the more vulnerable, you know, to the more marginalized, those of greatest need can feel like as a community or as a leadership, we're ignorant of the majority of people's needs. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. We've said from the get-go, like we read in in the book of Acts in a number of places, the work of Christ in a community ought to translate into us being a no-need-among-us community. And we want to be that. We want to serve everybody's needs. And so, you know, for people to reach out and be vulnerable and transparent with your life group, Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have a life group, to reach out to a location pastor. Or I know in our online service, we've encouraged people to go to our website and go to the southridgechurch.ca slash contact page to fill out a contact form. If you've never met uh, a location pastor before, you're not part of a life group. And I know in our life group, as an example, you know we've got a, a, a diverse group, but certainly a lot of privilege among us, and yet some very real very deep, heartfelt struggles that we've navigated and supported throughout the pandemic, even recently, mm-hmm. um, in prayer and in practical support to be there for one another so that we can live even in our privilege, trying to relinquish our privilege and make extra sacrifices for others in a way that is supported and cared for. So the point is, even though we want to relinquish and lay down our privilege and not be about ourselves, Mm. we still want to love one another at the same time. That's awesome. Love that. Okay, I'm going to shift gears. Um, There's so much more I could ask about that, but I want to shift gears and talk about, about reopening because in the midst of this third lockdown, you know, a lot of us are starting to look ahead at what a fuller reopening would look like. Um, could you maybe talk about, you know, the role of vaccinations? Um, you know, what would have to happen here at Southridge in order for things to open more fully? Talk with us a bit about that. Sure. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, we just encourage people to check out the the podcast we did a couple weeks ago where I interviewed Mike Krause and the two of us discussed, mm-hmm. uh, what I would call vaccine theology, because I know there's tremendous difference of perspective on the vaccines and on whether people want to take the vaccines. And that's fair. We want to cultivate a, a love beyond belief uh, dynamic among us. All I'll say is that from the perspective of navigating a pandemic, vaccines do play a critical role 
because it's not just a matter of locking society down and avoiding contact to avoid transmission and spread. Once you get immunization happening, then you can be reopening without fear of future lockdowns. So from my perspective, as the vaccines have emerged, um, I do feel like this is probably our, our last big lockdown. And to me, there is legitimate light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would track with that for sure. Um, yeah, I guess, what are the current projections for vaccine distribution distribution mean for the timeline of that fuller reopening? Well, I've heard Dr. Herji from uh, Niagara Public Health say that uh, at about 25 to 30% uh, societal vaccination, okay. you can start reopening things in a way that won't result in further lockdown, where you, where you can reopen without really fear of greater lockdown. And uh, frankly, that number wouldn't surprise me because the whole time there's been about 25, 30% of society that's been kind of identified as higher risk. Yeah. And so if that also happens to be the, the, the percentage or the, the, the focus of the vaccination campaign, if the majority of people that are getting vaccinated earlier are higher risk, well, then, you know, the very people that society is trying to make sacrifices to protect are getting protected by the vaccine. And so it gives us a lot more safety to, to reopen. And so, um, you know, after this lockdown, we'll probably by the end of April, you know, be 25, 30 percent, maybe more. And I would imagine by then that people and society will be able to dip our toe mm-hmm. into a, a greater degree of reopening. Uh, without fear of further lockdowns. And so as a church, I can see us starting to then take steps of, you know, in-person, pastorally supported experiences of our online service, you know, moving into watch parties, moving into things then into the spring and summer that are, uh, you know, more special summer extravaganza services that will all build towards a much fuller reopening uh, by the time we hit later summer into the fall. So um, I, I feel like we'll be able to see each other's faces sooner rather than later if we could just hunker down uh, a little bit longer and extend a little bit more of that extra grace required. But uh, yeah, I think vaccines will play a huge role in this yo-yo of lockdowns and recovering from lockdowns. Definitely. You know, you, you talked at the beginning of this conversation about Jeff Mannion and, and that talk, um, The Land Between. And yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, a timely message. Um, I think back to that talk at the summit, summit and um, just how impactful that was then and, and can only imagine revisiting it, how impactful that would be right now. I guess my question is, what do you see God doing the most or maybe most significantly during this land between um, in the Southridge community, in us? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Carrie, because I, I watched the, the summit talk. Like I said, it was family day uh, Monday. And uh, as part of my, my quiet time that day, I just wanted to give God a shot to speak to me afresh. And I was struck by, among Mannion's points, one of them was that the land between is ripe for complaint. And I found that that was super convicting for me and for the mood that I was in at that point when it came to pandemic. And uh, you know, if that's helpful to anyone listening and you're finding yourself in that place these days, let that be a, a, a word of encouragement and challenge to you. Um, you know, at the same time, 
it, it, it is a place where God can stir up and elicit hope for the future, where my hope would be we would not only look forward to you know, resuming experiences where we can be together in person, but that we would do so much more appreciatively. And, you know, with a greater degree of hunger and passion, and if God in the meantime can inspire that kind of hope and gratitude for those things that we took for granted, then I think there's been some pandemic gain in our spirits. That's good. Okay, well, any final encouragements, any final challenges that you'd want to give to our members when it comes to making the most of this third wave lockdown that we find ourselves in? Only to continue hanging in there and being the church to one another and others. We've said again and again that the church Hmm. isn't a building. It's not a place. It's not a time of the week and it's not an event. The church is a people united by the work of Christ and committed in following Jesus way to incarnating his life and love in the world and Hmm. pandemic or not. We have all the opportunity right here, right now to be that. So rather than focusing exclusively or even primarily on our struggles, let's try to look to Jesus and see how he's inviting us into not only following his way of life personally, but joining into his movement to be the church to those that we rub shoulders with. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for you know, taking this time to remind us of the values that we hold as a church, to to talk about our privilege and really about what it means to, to lay our lives down and to live the way of Jesus. And thanks everyone for joining us. It's been great to be together as always. We'll see you next time as we continue to find our way together. Thanks everyone. 